You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Riverdale Gang Podcast, the critical commentary watch-along podcast of the show Riverdale, recorded on unseated Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish territory, also known colonially as Vancouver, BC. I'm Chloe. Hi, I'm Ryan. We're here. The world is in flames. Yes, <laughs> as are is my throat and sinuses. Um, I've been sick all hiatus, Chloe. Oh, well, like <clears throat> cycling through very germ <clears throat> expressions. I'm so pleased. I'm so close to your face. Yep. <laughs> That's friendship. Um, I have not been sick, but I have been busy quitting my day job, Yay! which has been lovely, and I have been busy reacting to the fact that I no longer have to go to work, Yay! Um, and I am about to head into a nice week-long staycation where I recover, but right now I'm trying to meet a writing deadline, and that is a lot, and I'm realizing all the things that I did not do because <laughs> I had a day job. I don't know how people do this for 30 years. Most people don't also have a night job that's this full-time. I guess. Like, most people don't also try to do, uh, to the best of my understanding, I've never been most people. But um, it's true, he hasn't. To, to my understanding, not it is not normal to pull a forty-hour work week and then also pull a second forty-hour work week. It's not, as yeah. I understand, sustainable for the human body. And this is a reason we rioted a hundred years ago, and there was a lot of death, and then unions, and then eight-hour work days. But here we are. Here we are. In fact. To my uh, former company's credit, they did offer overtime periodically, but boy, was there no union, and boy, did we feel that on more than one occasion. It should not be a credit to offer occasional (laughs) overtime. Oh my god, that's basic. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, like, we weren't encouraged to work overtime Mm. with no pay, is my point. Okay, which which is the reality of so many industries of people I know. Animation, VFX, especially. Yes. And I also, like, I knew there were companies that cut corners, mm-hmm. but I was talking to a couple of people I know who have, like, quote-unquote minimum wage jobs, mm-hmm. and, like, I've I've heard of now, heard of, did not know this was an option, of someone getting, um, like, server wages yep. in not a server job. Yep. Like... What is happening? The world is on fire. Well, labor laws have been aggressively weakened for about 40-ish years is oh, what's great. happening. I'm thrilled. Over yes, yes. Also... So that's our politics of the morning. Um, well, also, our, in, in, for any Americans who are listening, hey. um, our um, government in Canada is probably about to crumble, and we're very excited. It's crumbling in a fascinating parallel to how y'all's is. <laughs> yeah. But not the same, because our attorney general said no repeatedly for four months to illegal stuff and he i don't think that's what the president's lawyer did at all <laughs> no perhaps so, not <laughs> fascinating parallel that this testimony happened on the same day at basically the same time in two com- in two countries it's like what a canadian version of this scandal yeah <laughs> and ever and like it's so funny i've been spending um a lot of time in the last few years as a Canadian-American dual citizen um, thinking about how Canada is, like, equally bad as the United States. And, like... We're parallel bad in fascinating different ways. Pretty much. It's it's apples and oranges. So when we say the Canadian version, the Canadian parallel version, it is not necessarily more pleasant. Yeah. It's a weird... It just doesn't include the 45th president. (laughs) (laughs) Which is more pleasant. That's inherently more pleasant to me. But we have our own problems. Yes. Um, um, fascinating, uh, be- before we go and talk off about a pop culture show that you're all here to listen to, a fascinating um Yeah, if you want some other television to watch, go watch the, oh, I'm sorry, I thought go you were wa- going to say something else. No, I was going to just tell people to go watch Shody Wilson-Raybould's actual testimony because it's that's breathtaking. That's what I meant, yeah, that's, yeah, if you want other mm-hmm. television to watch as well as Riverdale, like, keep Riverdale for, like, dessert. Yeah. Because it's nice and light. Go watch Shody Wilson-Raybould's um, uh, testimony. Three and a half hours of Judicial Committee and yeah, Parliament. It's get, riveting. Get some popcorn, get yourself a six-pack, 
and then at the end, turn your brain off, watch Riverdale. Honest to goodness, three times during this testimony, the chairman of the of the committee asked the room, does anyone object to us extending the time? And the room laughed, because it was a riveting and unprecedented <laughs> scandal. I didn't know that. This is a room of people oh of all God. political sides, who some of whom may lose government and lose their jobs because of this day, and the whole room nervously laughed because no one was stopping this testimony. No, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, I think, was an MP in Vancouver. She is my MP. She is the MP of yeah. this riding, Vancouver Granville. So it all links back to Riverdale. Um, she is also. It's not here. I oh, I'm so impressed. Um, a matriarch of mm. her nation. Um, yes. in northern Vancouver, and I was so is thrilled. She Squamish? No, she's um uh Kwakwakwa. Okay. Um, so from northern Vancouver Island region. Mm. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, Vancouver Island. I heard yeah. North Vancouver. Sorry. Um. Yes, and uh, I have never seen this type of intersection of the um, the the structure and wisdom of indigenous governance and hierarchy that has been that has survived that has been maintained unbroken because um, BC's nations had a very different relationship with Canadian colonialism. Um, Wilson Raybould brought aspects of governance that were ex- specifically um, grown out of the structure and system of her nation into mm. her role as attorney general and was it, quite quite specific about that um, as far as moral guidelines, as far as um, basic core values of governance. And I was so thrilled to see this um, finally in, in Canada's government, um, uh, some acknowledgement and inclusion of these, um, these legal wisdoms and philosophies um, when so much of our law is only dependent on British and French legal philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, when the American Constitution and the structure of America was largely uh, inspired by the Iroquois Confederacy in the first place. Yeah. Um, so we are, as as settler countries, built on indigenous governance frameworks, but we have ignored this enormous resource within our own community and country for hundreds of years ignored and squashed Mm -hmm. um just such a such a fascinating moment of of historical synergy yeah so that is that is the place that riverdale is being shot and i think that's really important to say like in a way that's like more (laughs) of a land acknowledgement than the land acknowledgement yeah yeah so yeah yeah so just so you know when you see the green grass and the trees in riverdale the people who've lived on that for thousands of years since time immemorial are still fighting, <laughs> even if a boring American television show is being shot. Welcome to it. our dark, dark sugar trash pop culture commentary yeah, slash so. Canadian political watch along. Yeah, podcast. this is also like we can't help but be, be the place that we are in. Um, so Requiem for a Welterweight. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, this episode, which weirdly had references to both Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness. I'm glad you gleamed on that. I was a little bit lost in the thick of the plot this episode, yeah. and I was not paying attention to the, yeah. the flavor so much. Um, okay, so yeah, Kurtz is the name of the captain mm-hmm. in Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is based on Heart of Darkness, basically. Right, right, right. And, um, uh, like that scene where Jughead goes in to see that, like, sorry, spoilers, this is a spoilers <laughs> podcast, um, uh, goes in to see him that, like, the, even the way he's lit is like just not just like the scene in Apocalypse Now, but even he even makes reference so to much. being lost in the jungle, and mm. it's like it's like so like it's such an interesting contrast to this con- like like ugh, I'm having so many thoughts right now. Oh, good. Like, should, I, we, should we save them? Um, no. I mean, give us some setup because I so, didn't have this context. I don't know either of those films well, and okay. I didn't get a lot of this week's references. Okay, so Heart of Darkness, I have not read it since I was 13, mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, and I, I, it's been a few years since I've seen Apocalypse Now, but they're basically stories about um, white people who are um, in the military. I actually can't remember about Heart of Darkness if he's a business person or he's in the military. Um, but going to, quote-unquote, the jungle mm. um, uh, and seeing the decimation of colonialism there right and it's and i i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like they're empathetic stories Mm -hmm. um they're um like 
highly like white man's burden-y. Mm. Um, the difference with Apocalypse Now, I think, is that um, there was a little bit more awareness of there's nothing we can do here. Mm, that uh, Heart of Darkness had that a I whiff remember. Of nihilism, if you will. A whiff of nihilism. It's In been seventeen years world. since I've read Heart of Darkness, so I find it interesting that Jughead mm. is like, like, um, I, um, I, I have a feeling that with um, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa's theater training, he's aware of these references, so that's why I'm pointing them out. Right, right, yeah, um, that these are intentional things. So Jughead became king of the serpents. The serpents, as we've, as they um, showed in an earlier episode, mm-hmm. are like um, l- legacy indigenous, mm-hmm. f- essentially for people of color. There are a lot more people of color in um, the uh, serpents than there are in, say, the ghoulies, or say there are on the north side. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he takes it over and yep. he kicks um, legacy uh, Tony out. Yep. Tony forms her own gang, and then he invites her back. Right. By insulting her. Right. Yep. Right? So here, we're getting the themes. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And then um, Jughead goes off to try and get this other gang to join him by going into this, like, quote-unquote, heart of darkness mm. in the jungle, and there's, like, some messiness with, like, the D&D game. Anyway, <sighs> yeah, so, like, this is a very heavy reference for this show. Hmm. Apocalypse Now is a scary movie to watch. Um, Heart of Darkness is a very unsettling book. I think they have their limitations. They're both written by white men. Mm-hmm. Um, the big, the other big difference with Apocalypse Now is that Michael Hare was actually in active combat in Vietnam. Hmm. Um, he was a, a war correspondent. Oh, right. So the the the, yeah. the writer brought some real lived experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, it's still the lived experience of a colonizer of a foreign power in a country trying to tell them how to run their government. Right. But it is still nonetheless lived experience, yeah. which I don't Being know Being in that... a place where there are a lot of bullets coming by. Yeah. And, and a lot of people dying. Yeah. And I don't know that much about Joseph Conrad who wrote... Heart of Darkness, but mm-hmm. I don't know, so I don't know whether or not he had lived experience of being a colonist in, in, in Africa. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Right. Um, anyway, um, but all those references are hanging, there's even like, there's even a couple of lines that are very similar to Apocalypse Now, and the moment mm-hmm. between um, a young um, Emilio Estevez's brother. No, got nothing. Sheen. Um... <laughs> Some actor who you remember the is face it, of. Is it Charlie Sheen? It could be Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is a man Michael? who acts. I forget his name. Anyway, it Michael matter. Sheen is a much older man who acts, who is the father of Charlie Sheen. It might, it's Michael Sheen. Oh, I'm good. Pretty, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, the one I can like. So, Great. yes, exactly. Not- so, it's him, it's that actor, <laughs> and um, uh, Marlon Brando. Oh, yeah, totally Kurt. Marlon Sheen. <laughs> yeah, who plays Kurtz. And right. so they're in this room, and Kurtz is like, quote-unquote, I hate this expression, do not endorse this expression, has, like, gone native mm-hmm. and, like, stared into the heart of humanity and the heart of darkness. Which is... Anyway, so that's the moment that they recreate, and it's bizarre. Like, mm-hmm. it is it is so bizarre in this show. Mm-hmm. It is a strange choice. Hmm. It is odd. Um, thank you, Chloe. Yeah. I did not follow that. I don't know these references. I'm not well familiar with either of those books, films, um, points. Um, so I was really very confused um, through lots of that, honestly. <laughs> I, I didn't so. get a lot of the point. Um, which, for me, is an interesting maybe uh, moment, along with a lot of viewers who are probably not getting a lot of this dense, dense, dense reference. Yeah, um, it's a very, like, 70s, like, I, I would imagine, mm-hmm. like, young men who like war movies who might be watching this show. Oh. That seems like an interesting, like, okay. audience to be aiming at. I, that <laughs> doesn't feel like the target audience for this show. Mm-hmm. But, well, this um, episode. There's kind there's, of a target audience for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is odd. Yeah. Um, it's, like, full switch from our last episode, which was gay AF. Yep. <laughs> um, anyway, um... Kudos um, for for Tony having an incidentally gay plotline, just like being her badass gay self, yeah. bisexualing it up, and that having nothing to do with her plot. Yeah. Instead, she just negotiates gang politics, and I lo- I love that. Yeah, that was cool. But um, so, but that also like um, 
It's interesting. This is a funny episode, given what we talked about at the top of the episode. Mm. I read a wonderful um, Facebook status by um, uh, a local theater creator named Kim Harvey, mm-hmm. who's indigenous, and she salutes um, Jody Wilson-Raybould and like, mm. says, I stand with you and blah, 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 blah. Yes. But she also makes the point that I don't agree with people who try who are trying to work within the colonial system. Mm. I, mm-hmm. She basically says, I don't think that works. I'm right. paraphrasing. She doesn't come out and explicitly say that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to state. But there is a pretty heavy implication mm-hmm. that... That doesn't work. So right. I mean, it's I, a th- long-standing and important conversation. Yes. Can you change the system from within? Yes, exactly. And so um, watching um, uh, Tony operate within the now colonial mm. framework of the serpents and the like thing that's supposed to be for her that Cheryl's kind of taking over mm-hmm. the Pretty Poisons, which is a terrible gang name, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, reminds me of that right 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 like the inherent systemic flaws that make it impossible to simply gift someone a a position or a status or a a social safety or even just the people who actively are trying to take it away from tony jughead Mm. is trying to take it away from tony and cheryl i don't think actively but there are still actions yeah so in that sense, it's actively. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's interesting that this this show that's like a shadow of reality, mm-hmm. you know, this like sugary, weird t- teen show. Yeah, like a is, Peter Pan shadow. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Peter Pan shadow for for real lived experience. It's bizarre. <laughs> it, the show is so weird. This is the first time where I watched this show, and I was like, I don't. It's not the first time. But, um, <laughs> this episode in particular was a little episode. confusing. Yeah. Um, Let's watch it. I, uh, you have stuff to say. Just a touch. Just a touch. Um, I felt um, stylistically this episode was much more in line with the early episodes of this season. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I thought we were back in the heavy, heavy, heavy genre references. Um, like, there's a, there's a sharp stylistic swing back and forth this whole season to, like the heaviest references and then plot and then heavy 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 subplot references um and i'm i'm getting a bit of whiplash uh it didn't fully yeah. work for me this moment but i am really excited to watch this again and um because this is a plot dense episode and in my first watch through um i i i felt like i was entering confusing character space like i didn't know where we were on everyone's journey it felt a little detached from these characters i know and love more than anything this week um yeah something felt off but i'm i'm wondering if it's just this this intense fast-paced reference that i wasn't fully getting um in particular like i wasn't surprised by archie's return to the fight ring but i was neither enthused even though I enjoyed uh, Daddy Keller. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I've seen some boxing movies that I've really liked, and I like boxing as a sport. I wrote a play about boxing, actually. Um, So I liked it because I like boxing. Mm -hmm. Fair. Um, But, yeah, I don't don't know that it served anything. I could not distinguish properly between the boxing and earlier Fight Club in any pragmatic or practical way. So it yeah, had, it's it, all movie fighting. It was redundant to me. Yeah. Um, it's all movie fighting. Um, how do you feel about your baby maybe being sucked into the farm? Um, you know what? At least he's got a plot. Okay. He's tied to a plot, and I, they won't kill him because <laughs> I wouldn't watch a show that would kill Kevin Keller. I just wouldn't. Yeah. So here we it's are. It's true. If Kevin Keller dies, we're out. Yeah, full tilt. We riot. Or Tony. Yeah, Tony okay. and Kevin, either of them die, we riot. Yep. Um, now I'm good to go. Now All I'm right. good to go. Let's do it. Ready I'm to badoom, Yes, y'all? I'm, I'm going to put this blanket a little bit more over my body. Yeah, let's get cozy with the gang. Meow. I'm going to adjust my mocha. Meow. Uh, do you it's... mind if I put my legs out, Ryan, or are you nervous <coughs> when you kick the mic? Just don't kick the mic, Chloe. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not planning on it. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're so prepared today, yes, gang. We're, I'm, we're, in, we're in bed. I have six projects going on. <laughs> I only... Six? Uh, maybe I, I haven't One, counted. Two, I only have three. Well, that's... Or do I have four? 
Oh no, I have four. Let's let's sink into our break from reality. Ready okay. for the Badoom? So ready. Do, am I pressing this? Uh, no, the the play button. Well, I know, but it's not at the beginning, Maya. Okay, we'll hit the okay the ten second rewind. will do. Ready, gang? Badoom. Badoom. Bum bum bum. Oh yes. Welcome welcome a glimpse into our chaotic lives this week. Yes. Um. <laughs> The I did not watch the um, recap when I watched this on my own oh, to prepare. Funny because I yes. love. In life, there are so few surprises. <laughs> Why not be surprised by a television show without the recap? Given that you are a person who closely studies this plot and probably doesn't need the reminders as much, fair. Um, no. That said, I am often surprised by what I can forget week to week. <laughs> um thrilled with who Gladys Jones is turning out to be. Like, Yeah, I'm a little scared of her. Yeah, and I like it. Yeah. Um, Especially because we're scared of someone who is domestically sharing life with our hero, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have a danger that is so inherently close and that we don't want to ever see defeated, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Jughead versus his mom, there's no good outcome for anybody. Yeah. So the and, o- like, I kind of, like, I don't like that I want Jughead to win because I want to vote, like, root for the woman. Yes, and she's a much, honestly, she's she seems like a much more competent human being who knows the score of life a bit better than Juggy does. Yeah. But I know that we're with Juggy narratively. Unless Jughead is just going to, like, give her the servants and go back to being a lit nerd, which would be fine. That would be fair. <clears throat> like, she could take this curse from his back, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Tony isn't already vying for that or anything. Yeah. Um, I, I miss old Alice so much. I, I miss her. I'm really glad we're getting progress on her plot. I I think this was the plot I cared the most about this episode, actually. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. I think it's it's the one that matters for next week. Yes. Every other plot, to me, felt fairly contained within this episode, and so it was, the stakes were easy for me to... Oh, to, really? To, this yeah, plot, relatively. this plot's gonna be, like, the rest of the season, probably. I spoke too soon. Every other plot, I said, but, um, <laughs> I spoke wearing, too soon. Is he wearing a spider? I didn't catch. Um, Why is he referencing, brooch? uh, Cheryl? Yeah. That's a good catch, Chloe. What's that about? That tiny, I'm, tiny brooch. I, um, I'm so tired of this character. I want him to die. I mm. don't like him. Mm-hmm. He's annoying. Yeah, I'm That's here with that. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I'm way more interested, like, if, like, Hermione and, uh, um, Gladys were going to t- toe-to-toe, mm. I would be fascinated. I am bored by this character. Kill him. But that said, I'm cool with killing him now. I don't know how I would have felt about just shooting Hiram Lodge ten episodes ago. Yeah, They've so. now moved him into a place where I am waiting for him to die. Much the way I was waiting for Hal Cooper to fall. Yeah. Um, and that's actually... Like, that's that's quite skillful to build someone I am, am relishing the downfall of. Um, especially because he provides someone for Hermione and Glados to to balance off of. He's a he's an outlier evil. He's mm, extreme yeah, I evil. Guess so. um, and <clears throat> while we are empathetically with Hermione and Glados to a part to a degree, um, it kind of shows us this range of this range mm-hmm. of antagonist intent, or it gives us those that that it opens those questions. So how do we feel about these two dating? I want Josie to have more plot. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. That's basically how I feel. Mm-hmm. She's at least getting a new television show or something. That's true. She is. She better have plot there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm straight up not convinced that she's going to have plot there either. Like, I'll believe it when I see it, Riverdale. Because fool me eight times. Shame on you. Yeah. Fool me a ninth with a second series <laughs> that I explicitly have to search out separately. That one's on me. <laughs> <clears throat> Fair enough. 
Um, I like that they're kind of easing up on the like heavy bug head. Now they're just like there's obviously still a couple, but they're not yeah. like all kind of into. They're just in each other's lives, and that's like really nice, mm, really refreshing. Yeah. Um, it the the romantic <laughs> romance as a conflict flashpoint is out of the focus. Yeah, and I, that's I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, I did like that um, the men in this otherwise supportive gang are mm-hmm. secretly super sexist and annoyed that the girls are leaving and make fun of them when they try to beat them up. I mm-hmm. was into that. Mm-hmm. And I'm they face the consequence appropriately. Yeah. Jughead borked it. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, to be fair, I'm no boxing expert, but it mm-hmm. looks like they gave them, like, not terrible movie boxing training. Great. So that's cool. Like, this could very well be, like, KJ Appa being like, hey, I'm loving fight training this season, guys. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Right? Like, behind the scenes, some of this stuff really does have to do with what does the actor excel at on screen. Yeah. Some of these decisions. Yeah. Um, a half season later. You know, this wasn't filmed when Fight Club 1.0 happened. Yeah. Um, and I do think KJ Appa's Archie fits well into this type of plotting and story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my film. It's not my type of film. Um, I don't often enjoy the the sports arc. Yeah. The, that particular story. You might like Million Dollar Baby. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh, yes. Yes. I... Yes. Um, you are right. <laughs> you, you called it. Great. That, that is a good boxing movie. <laughs> the one and film. only boxing movie. The boxer isn't bad. I just, you know, it was the classic, like, British people playing Irish people, but let's not bother with that. <laughs> That's, um, you yes. don't want to get in the way, blah, blah, blah. Um, so evidently Gladys was, like, lying in wait to take over. Yep. Clearly. Everything. And, um, it's a lot. I'm into it. I am choosing to let that this inform season one's it's not a good time right now for Jughead to come visit that, like, everything was planned. It yes. wasn't. It wasn't. But I love the idea of of Gladys being that on the ball to opportunistically be, like, seeing the cards fall and yeah. willing to wait. There's great moments as a writer when you, like do something unintentionally and then it works out later mm-hmm. congratulations <laughs> you did it i know it's a small thing and only people like me and ryan who watch the show really closely are noticing but one doesn't <laughs> have to notice to be affected by an artistic yeah. intent i also feel so sorry for veronica she's constantly caught in the middle of the adults trying to break the law <laughs> that is her role here and like I- i'm liking how many episodes it's taking her to get more and more tangled like, they're taking her their time building the knot that is closing in around Veronica. Yeah. But, but we feel it tightening a little bit. Also, Archie, you've already been to prison. Why are you trying to go to prison more? <laughs> Didn't expect this Elio fellow to be a recurrent character, but here we are. Yeah. Um, Veronica needs some supporting cast. Yeah. And they get to screw with Archie, too. They must, uh, this actor, they must like him, yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. Again, that is often how characters come back. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's interesting. Now that I've seen KJ Appa in in interviews a couple of times, like he he's a high status as as a person, mm. and I never feel like Archie is high status as a character. Interesting. No, I I, I see that now that you pointed out. Yeah. In, in body language in yeah general relationship style. Like he's just kind of a a a knob. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has the ability mm. to turn on leading man moments, right? Yeah. And that's. Like, looking back, a, a kind of a well-played character pace, I think, yeah. in, in this Archie. Um, I don't love angry taking charge Archie. Um, and I love that the show anchors itself in a, in a very different facet of his personality. Mm-hmm. I'm just always so thrown by KJ Appa's lovely, lovely accent every time I listen to an interview. That's true. That I, like, can't analyze his technique. <laughs> when 
are you going... When are all these teenagers going to get legally emancipated from their parents? Maybe not Archie. I don't think It seems think like his parents legal. are the only functional parents left. I don't think... Like, why isn't Molly Ringwald, like, leading a class action lawsuit legally emancipating the teenagers of Riverdale? Riverdale is a failed know. state. There is no law. Hermione I guess. and um, Sheriff Jones are the only legal forces, apparently, because a convicted murderer can just go back to school and take the SATs? Like, this was never overturned on screen. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, We're just carrying on. Keep on keeping on in Riverdale. Yeah. It's like, it's it's full failed state. It's bizarre. (laughs) Like, are small towns this corrupt? Like, I know sometimes they are, but it's usually, like, insidious. This is, like, movie star, big city corrupt. You know, I, 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 I have no experience with small with this type of small town corruption. Partially because um, my community um, was always on f- uh, federal law enforcement, so RCMP served most rural Canadian communities. Whereas many American rural communities do have local sheriffs, mm-hmm. um, which don't. Um, there are many many problems with the RCMP structure, but one thing that is I think a strength is that. Um, in these tight-knit communities, the, the influx of, um, there is a rotating schedule over several years. Um, RCMP officers are generally not kept in a community for 30 years, mm. uh, or the majority of the detachment. Um, and in this way, it does avoid a certain type of corruption, such as the sheriff who is re-elected term after term, despite whatnot. Um, it's just a very different system of small-town corruption that we have in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, there are always city councillors who should have retired 20 years ago but care a whole lot about their backyard ordinance. That's everywhere, everywhere. Um, sorry, I got distracted while you were talking by mm-hmm. um, Tony being like, because of Betty, I don't think Betty would mm. mind... Like, if Jughead said to her, hey, to get Tony back in the gang, she has to be queen. Also, she's legacy. I think Betty would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, she's yeah. She's not an unreasonable... Like, I agree. Like, her to be an unreasonable character. And nor is, like... We're... we're the arbitrariness of queen-king binariness seems to be a, a weird hang-up here. Yeah. What we're asked, What Tony is asking for to me, really reads as, give me the gang, Jughead. Not make me your partner. It's make me queen regent. Yeah. That's what I heard. And I think what Jughead heard is, make me your partner. Your yeah. lieutenant. Um, I hope this I hope this episode is as self-aware of that distinction as I hope they are being. Yeah, I hope that too. Um, so anyway, they're having man feelings with boxing, um, and we'll return to some feminism. Um, I also, um, I also feel like Betty is not, like, Betty's connection to the serpents is Jughead, right? Yes. Whereas Tony's connection to the serpents is, like, blood life. Literal blood life. Blood spilled and flowing in her veins. And also, community and culture and literally everything in Tony's life. Yeah. Also, why are these girls putting up with this? That is a question. Um, that is a fair question. Um, they could just really like learning new killing skills, which I would always respect. Archery is a spectacular skill. Yeah. Oh, there is trouble in paradise. That look at that. Yeah, Lance trouble in. I was I was grateful that the show allowed them to have a problem a, and allowed them to have a realistic relationship problem a straight up conflict that just comes from thoughtlessness and outside problems and pressures um but this is to me this is a really nice growth from um a couple episodes ago where, where the poisons were created yeah. um Again, we're we're in Tony and Cheryl's relationship in a way that's just meandering along interestingly. I'm happy about that. Tony and Cheryl feel like they have lead character plot this episode. Which 
honestly, yeah. they it didn't feel that way the last time. It felt like tokenistic special episode to me. Um, but the fact that they are getting sustained plot line with the poisons, uh, the pretty poisons, makes me happy. Yeah, challenges to a pillow fight. Smack that man. Yep, you could. You yep. <laughs> Pea brain. I am. Um, I kind of like. I kind of like this misunderstanding that Cheryl thought disrespect means I should lead a beat down. Like, yeah. I like that that reads true to Cheryl's upbringing to me. Yeah. I, I'm i not crazy about the undertones of, oh, they got beat up by girls. They're pussies. I'm not into it. Fair. Um, in the In the vein of Jughead's crumbling masculinity causing all the problems, that reaction fits that motif yeah. for me. Also, I'm pretty sure that picture on the fridge of that couple is supposed to be uh, Gladys and FP as kids. Are they cute? Eh. I didn't catch it. I mean, I think it, I get the feeling that it's been stuck back up there since they came home. <laughs> point, point, so, point, yep. <laughs> Vigilante Violet. Ugh. I would be pissed with my girlfriend, too. Yep. Bougie Cheryl plays at Gangland. Oh, uh, is this show going to become about Tony being a lone wolf, an excellent lone wolf? Because I'm so into that. I, yep. Yep. It's not, but I want it. Hey? <laughs> I truly know that's not what we're getting, but I'm here no, for every moment but... of this sub, this sub show. Um, this perfect spinoff, far more interesting than Katie Keene, would be the Tony Topaz show. But also, no, just give Tony Topaz Riverdale. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. San Junipero. Cute. Huh. This is... I love this conflict. Um, this feels like a very real conflict for where these two people are coming from. Cheryl mm -hmm. is the daughter of a, of a bougie wasp um, crime, crime boss, drug lord. Mm -hmm. And Tony is the inherited um, daughter of the serpents, basically. Like... They have such different lived experience in in in, in gang life, in gang families. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a show put those two experiences side by side in this way. That's interesting. Yeah. Like I've I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen the comparison of these different aspects of crime, of societal crime. It's true. That is your hand now, Archie. You are technically an ex-con who walked out of the SATs. You know what would be awesome? Don't take $5,000 to throw a fight when you are clearly not as edgy and sharp and experienced as the people you're trying to do business with. Remember what happened last time you tried that? Does he really need the five grand exactly? Yeah. Like... He's not going to college. <laughs> also, how far is five grand going to get you in an American college? Like, what I mean, level unless of he goes to are CUNY, you Unless you go to CUNY... To be a lawyer. <laughs> Apparently that's a very cheap ticket because they're well-funded. To where? If you are uh, CUNY, the City University of New York. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Excellent. You you can go to law school affordably in New York? Yeah, but then you have to live in New yeah, York. Yeah, then you have to live in New York. So. I wonder what Riverdale State School is if they do in-state tuition. No idea. <laughs> There's always a community college. A list of escapees. Um... I enjoyed Betty being, um, being afraid again this episode. Um, I have been intrigued seeing Betty back out of her depth, mm -hmm. back overwhelmed, especially after the, the Griffin Queen arc. Mm -hmm. Um, seeing her really feel threatened in this place, in, yeah. this, in this story, again. And not having anyone particularly, like Jughead's yeah. busy, her mom's gone, mm -hmm. pop uh, Polly's gone, let's call her Poppy. Kevin's gone farm, other people have gone G&G. &G. Yeah. Yeah, a sense of isolation in the, in the thick of it. That adds to... Um, a, a Betty, Betty felt young this episode to me, in a really, um, interesting way. Yeah. Jughead is playing some big cards this yeah. episode. I'm, is he overplaying? 
like, I I feel like he almost uses up his cards with both of his parents here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he empties his hand trying to get his business in order this episode. Why? I didn't... I've never thought of rum as a sipping drink. I know that that's not nearly remotely important to the conversations we're having, but rum as a sipping drink have not featured. Also, I have not tried proper rum, I suspect. Uh, yeah, there's also mm. that. I mean, spiced rum's awfully good, but I still put it in things. I think it's one of those things that it's just like, it's it's the signature drink of certain countries. Like, I did not enjoy tequila properly until I really drank a whole bunch of the good tequila in Mexico. And same with scotch. I had to be at the right fancy place with an open bar to really get, get an appreciation for what scotch is supposed to be. I love scotch. I That is one of the few things I would be happy to spend money on. Um, I want to know what Gladys's weak point is. I imagine it's jelly bean, but like mm. I, one of the things I, I don't like is when characters come in too powerful. It's mm. it's really fun when it happens with women. Like that's great for like I love that. Right. Well, but it's... I do have a little like why though. Hmm. The only time I've seen that done really successfully was Daenerys in um, Game of Thrones because hmm. she eventually hit a too powerful. You know. Now Daenerys. I think a key difference here is Daenerys is a prospective protagonist and Gladys is clearly an antagonistic force. Um, But with with enough... With enough yeah, ambiguity. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But no, one of the things I like about Game of Thrones is, like, uh, you know, other than Cersei, no one's, like, a proper villain or a proper hero. Yeah, it's a it's a moral challenge ensemble. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Game of Thrones is one of the most problematic shows that's ever been made. Yes. But, yeah, anyway. I, I love and hate it, as it is. Yes. Um, where are we? Ghoulies. Oh, yeah. They were properly eliminated. Yeah. I, I Cool jacket, though. I kind of like that they just got straight wiped out, and it's just we're seeing the shifting patterns. Kurtz, hmm. there you go. Right. There's, there's your reference. And didn't we're, go down a river, did you? Are we into the heart of darkness oh, or yeah, the apocalypses? Um, well, this is both. So in in apocalypse now, um, they get to a village in the bush in Vietnam, and they find him kind of chilling at the back of a temple. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's hanging from the ceiling there. For a hot second, I thought it was bodies, and <laughs> then was like, "Whoa, Riverdale!" But it wasn't. <laughs> um, and Kurtz is alone in half shadow. Mm. Um. Yeah, see, I just didn't get mm-hmm. any of this. I just saw a dark lit scene that I didn't get much from, and like, okay, we're in we're in a shack now. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, but th- you thank Kurtz? you for yeah. thank you for breaking this apart. Um, I see there's some subtleties I did not get on first watch here. Yeah, there's a line that he says that reminds me a little bit of. Mm. Uh, blah blah blah. This obviously none of this is an apocalypse now. <laughs> this careful gang negotiation about fizzle rocks. Yeah. You mean fizzle rocks are not a reference? No. It's interesting. I've looked into the eyes of the king. It's, so there's a line in um, Apocalypse Now where he says, I I looked into something, and I blah, blah, blah. And then later in the movie, he dies, and the line that he has in Heart of Darkness and in Apocalypse Now is, mm. the horror, the horror, and then he dies. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, really glad they didn't pull that out in this episode. That would have been too much. But yeah, I think You Are Mistaken might even be a line. Mm. Something like that. Um... In Apocalypse Now, um, the Martian Sheen? Yeah. Martin Sheen. Yeah. The Martin Sheen character. Um, maybe that's Emilio Estevez's dad. <laughs> I can't keep them straight. Anyway. The dude. They all kind of look alike, obviously, because they're related. But um, uh, they, um, 
he's sent by the army to to find Kurtz and to try and bring him back. So oh. like there's like there's definitely some um there's definitely some parallels being drawn here. No, you're all good, Ryan. Oh, I'm not leaning on the cord. Nope. <laughs> it's um yeah. yeah, none of this visual reference landed for me, so I was just confused at what they were going for. Um which is probably a good moment of insight into what a lot of viewers feel in some of these heavy references. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much doesn't land when you don't get when you don't have the the, the visual vocabulary. Yeah. Um, because I, I do think sometimes, like, a good example of the um, the Drag Race episode, they introduced the genre well. Um, I wonder, are they taking greater liberties now that they are um, more established in, in this style? This heavy, heavy homage, eight homages an episode style? Um this certainly feels like a more extremely stylistic episode than we've seen consistently up till this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that he says he wasn't in the army. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, right, they have to pretend they don't know each other. Yep, this is such a bad fake conversation. They're, this is just so, 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 so bad. <laughs> I I like so gorgeous. Oh I like God. this play. Like GLaDOS manipulates the lodges so well here. She has just made Veronica a player on her table. Out, yes. out in what the is, light. What is the point of this meeting? <laughs> <sighs> um I love how GLaDOS is like yeah. You're not a big deal anymore to go away. <laughs> um, I would really like it if Hiram died. Have I said that already? I you think I have. have. I'm I'm over it. I don't despise him as much as I despised Hal Cooper. Well, no, he's actually a character, whereas Hal Cooper was like just an annoyance <laughs> that happened to kill people. Um Like Hiram's been fun, don't get me wrong. He's been a really mm-hmm. fun character, but I'm like We're done now. so over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Find me mm-hmm. a new bad guy. I'm interested in Edgar Evernever. Yes. And I'm interested in what happens in Veronica and Hermione's lives when they are not um, ever-presently fearful of a horribly violent patriarch. Yeah. Like, that's a tension that I'm going to enjoy removing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Gladys Jones will have a factor in that. <laughs> I would be here for Jughead's mom murdering Veronica's dad. Oh, God. Wouldn't that, that be, be just... so great. Like, yeah, that would feel good. <laughs> I would love that. Gladys could kill him, too. That would be fine. But it won't have the same, like, power. Who? Gladys. Yeah, that's what... that Gladys Jones. Oh, I definitely registered, um... I registered, um... Hermione? Yes. Yep. Either or. Either or. Less problematic if Jughead's mom does it, because then we're not dealing into any questions of any any territory that I don't know if I trust the show to deal with well. Mm. Anyway, Murder Hiram. Murder Hiram. Murder Hiram. So I was really here for Betty's arc in this episode. I love that she's trying to protect her mom, even though her yeah. mom's been kind of a, a meanie. Yeah, and she's she's really vulnerable this episode. Yeah. Like, like, if her, like, where does she go? You know, like, her mm-hmm. father's in prison, her sister's on this farm, her mom's about, like, spoilers, her mom's gonna sell the house, mm-hmm. leave Riverdale. Her life has been sold out from under her. Her college fund has been stolen out from under her. Yeah. Uh, all of the privileged bedrocks of Betty's life, life are crumbling. Um, very specific social, economic foundations. Um, that's so interesting, actually, yeah. thinking of it that way. Um, thinking of where Jughead was at the top of season one. Betty is two steps from, in many ways. Yeah. Um, that's a story we don't often see long-drawn, slow-build either, as well. Um, r- proper, like, class mobility in the negative, when people slip 
out of um, economic <clears throat> standing and how easy it is to fall into poverty traps. Yeah. It's like they're lost in the jungle. <laughs> okay, that's enough. No more Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness references. There's like... I love that when Gladys comes in with him at the end, it's like, oh yeah, all those references were just not a big deal. <laughs> we're done. On to the A game. Yep. <laughs> You couldn't negotiate these references, child, to un- unravel this plot? Yeah. Don't worry. I gotcha. Um, uh, I find this whole thing about cults really interesting. I read a, a couple of great articles about Scientology. Oh, um, yeah. And um, the uh, word that Polly uses earlier in the episode, you're a detractor. Mm. There's all these names for, like, people who have, like, negative thetans or whatever it is in um, Scientology, and there's a word kind of like detractor. Also, we call the farm and G&G being related. Yep. Totes. Duh. Cult, cult, Duh. cult, cult, cult. Um, um, yeah. So many Scientology parodies among ma- among many other cults, but that's a especially egregious public eye one. Yeah. Um, interesting song choice. Just Love like it. They kind of just dropped a song number in here, and I'm not complaining in any way. I'm just acknowledging that Josie's being used as scoring. Yeah. This isn't about her. Nope. But I'm here for recording another Josie song. Yes. I liked uh, Pop Keller. Yeah, oh, this is great. Great material for him. Loved it. it. I don't care about his C-plot romance stuff, honestly. Like, like I like the plot for Kevin and for Josie, but I don't mm-hmm. care about him in those plots, right? Yeah. And here I liked um, him being the truly caring coach. Like, Coach Keller was actually a really charming man on my screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had great chemistry with KJ Appa, I yeah. thought. They, those two characters played... Those the performers really worked their dynamic well for characters who we've not seen properly interacting really or having any reason to. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I do like the opportunities that this show gives its characters to be the artist making commentary, yes. which is what Josie is like. I agree with you. Josie is just sort of plonked in here to sing while other people have plot, and it's annoying. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But what is that thing he presses? Is that supposed to cauterize it? Is it hot? Um, it might be a... Um, there's there's a, there's cauterizing powders you can put on an, oh, an open oh, cut oh, that oh. will help the, the blood coagulate. There's a couple of first aid things that oh, are okay. tied in, I believe... Um, styptic pencils, I think. Yeah. Oh, we just got a shot of... Oh, no, we didn't. I forgot KJ Appa has a tattoo in the show, or the character has a tattoo in the show. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, we just saw KJ Appa's real tattoo, and then oh, right. we didn't. Serpents. We did not. Hmm. Um, I love these, like, I love the vintage qualities of this ring and of the, um, the bell and the... Mm-hmm. Like, that's really fun. I was really, uh, um, I was really impressed by the visual shift in this episode that they pulled into non-beefcake nudity, mm-hmm. that, um, oh, they yeah, actually shifted themselves into, like, sports lens, um, competitive physicality. Like, this doesn't feel like beefcake KJ, even though I don't think I've ever seen him look more ripped. No, that's interesting, like, yeah. I'm not... My attention is not being drawn to his spectacular abs. <laughs> um, rather, the pacing is weirdly with with his character perspective. We're following energy. Yeah. We're following um, action, kinetic movement, um, character face reactions. There's no lingering beefcake. Yeah, it's true. Um, you do, Like, I do like moments where people who are theoretically sexualized by the camera have an mm-hmm. opportunity to just be bodies doing a thing. It it's it, it it is highlighted to me by the fact that they have been so sexualized in past episodes. Yeah. That the explicitly not doing that this episode shows me how much is intentional in the past. Uh, especially in comparison to Fight Club 
episode, which felt very um, voyeuristic to me. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Compared to this episode. Yeah. Um, also, it's awfully good that you didn't win, Archie. It means you might live. Yep. <laughs> you might still get taken out because you did it wrong. This was this was such a thing. This this was a powerful scene. Yeah, and... with Paul, I love Polly's reaction in this scene. So yeah. two things, two things I'm feeling is that she looked so silly when she was in her dress earlier, mm-hmm. and here she looks so like delicate and sweet and like yeah there's meaning and weight here yeah and but we're also in a church that reminds me a lot of the buildings or a building rather that reminds me a lot of the church of night in uh, sabrina mm, yeah i, I mean, wonder if that's intentional i think both lean hard into sort of catholic decadence christian I guess that's imagery true. yeah um and the many gothic variations thereof um many one oh Goodness. I really felt Betty's tension here in yeah, a way that the show surprised too. me with. Ugh, this is so creepy. Mm-hmm. It's creepy because it's like, ugh, again. The fact I'm that Polly gonna... does it. Yeah, that. There's no indication. It. It's unclear of whether Alice is consenting to this as well. Yeah. Like, I don't get the read she's saying she's agreed to be drowned. Yeah. Right? Also, why is this kid leading this ceremony? That interests me as well. Yep. I mean, cult leader's daughter. Yeah. Is our thing. (sighs) The fact that Polly... This is an interesting beat of mob and cult mentality as well. One uh, one disagreement is often enough to break mob mentality. That's a really critical sort of social psychology precedent. That humans are broadly prone to this mob mentality inaction, but one yeah. person standing up can influence a group. Like we see the realization processing in Polly. Yeah, I thought I, I liked a lot about this. The, yeah, the, the I psychology of this scene because Polly doesn't look sure. No, for a sec. no, of course, and and we don't know where Alice is. Until the la- the last shot here, yeah. Like Alice is experiencing this, and it's yeah. horrifying that we're watching this happen to Alice, recognizing that she might, at the end, consent mm-hmm. and say yes, this was good. That's that is a particular tension to that plot this episode that I thought yeah. that I was really surprised by. I also love that he asked how her show went. She's like, oh, I killed it. Like, I love yep. her confidence. That's yep. so fun. Uh, yeah, Josie never doubts herself. Or she does plot-wise, but her default for doubting herself is so low. She's earned her confidence. Yeah. This is fun. They have chemistry, these two. In the vein of how just casually happy Bughead is, mm-hmm. these two are, like, casual chemistry. Yeah. I don't get um bonfires. No. But I get bonfires. Um curled up on the bearskin rug in front of the campfire kinda warm sparks. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I'm into it. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of varied dark moody lit scenes this episode. Oof. Oh my god. Oh, Hiram. I love that his name is Donald. <laughs> Given that that is the first name of the current president. Things. Um. <sighs> the fact that Hiram unravels this, this, this was another moment of good tension. Not necessarily good in that I enjoyed it, but good in that it was powerful. Yeah. And, uh, and with many episodes of build-up. I find it interesting that she chooses to protect Hermione. Oh, I'm not remotely shocked. because Well, she's been a little annoyed at her mom recently. I think Veronica... I don't think Veronica believes herself to be in true danger yet. 
Yeah, well, she does, I mean, she does make a good calculation that he is less likely to kill her than he is to kill Hermione. uh, Agreed. And that, but I, I, I'm interested to see, I feel like we're probably building towards a moment, um, of real betrayal here, or, or a, a moment between Veronica and her dad where this sense of safety is somehow popped. Yes. I don't know how that will happen yet. That could be the death of Hiram. There are so many ways this could play out, but there is a real, I feel like Veronica is operating under a false, a false safety that will be popped at some point. I love that she just has no patience for anyone's BS. It's really fun. She's efficient and real and gets stuff done and it's great. Yeah. Can you see okay? Yes. No, you can't. Okay. You just had your knees between your head and the mug. Well, I can shout. <laughs> yeah, but you don't, my friends. Mm. <laughs> oh, Betty is so unraveled here, and fairly. Yeah. Like, it's time, how? To, it's time to GTFO, dude. Like, it's time to go to Chicago, talk to Molly Ringwald, mm-hmm, and be mm-hmm. like, time has come for legal emancipation. Get Mrs. And Andrews to help you here. Sue your mother for your college tuition. She can sell the house and give you your money back, Betty. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably what would happen is it would be a long court case for, like, ten years, and she'd get the money back after she'd already paid for college and loans. I mean, but... maybe. If, if assuming she won. Like, there's no actual guarantee that she would win that case because the law's broked. Yes. But... And also, the money's already been sunk in the farm, <coughs> right? So, they'd, like, they'd have to kind of sue the farm. Right. And that, that would be another 10 to 15 year uh, yeah. appeal. Anyway, Purge, last thing. I'm... I thought she was going to say Betty. I Same. I was expecting that as well. Um, and I like that they went somewhere else. Because I am I believe Alice's journey right now. I, I don't... Th- I'm not here for an Alice who would purge her family with everything that they've built for her. She's clinging hard to her family in her way. Um, like, yeah. it's... What a, what a spectacularly difficult journey Alice has gone on. Yeah. Like, she is, she, you said earlier, you miss Alice. I totally agree I with really you. I really miss her. The show, to me, gave me, gave me such a journey for her. That, yeah, like, I, I mean, that's fun. I want her to great. come out the other side. Yeah. In some way. But I, I do believe this cult journey she's on right now in a really significant way. Yeah. Man, this show is so weird. Isn't it? They try a lot. Um, I do think this is one of the more experimental television shows up out right now. And experimental in a way that it isn't um, segregated, that isn't separated, that isn't... Um, you know, like, Twin Peaks is, for example, reputed to be inaccessible. Right? No. It's the... Really? Yeah, it's kind of got a reputation for being smart and impossible to understand in layman terms. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. And, I've and, never watched it. Um, I've only seen... I've, I've seen yeah. some of it, some of the original, but uh, um, a lot of a lot of what Archie did in season one is homage to that particular period of television. A very... Um, I want to call it very, like, pretentious, navel-gazy television. Um, which is mean because 20 years later we moved into a different artistic place. At the time, it was groundbreaking. But I think there are a lot of these smart shows that really um, don't try to be accessible, that don't Mm. try to be pop culture. They try to be extremely introspectively, artistically strong. There's a place for that. Riverdale is one of the few trash pop shows that I see um, experimenting this boldly. That's true. Yeah, um, that is definitely true. And they're bringing it to um, a CW teen-targeted accessible audience. Um, I suspect with hit or misses. Yeah. This this episode was a great example of a whole big genre reference I didn't get at all as a pretty educated theater crit- critic, uh, thirty years old, spending the last twelve years pretty full time analyzing this stuff. Um, I missed a lot. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm impressed that the show is taking risks like that. 
um, and doing something that is, I, I think, truly different with television as a format. Um, I personally believe that TV as a studio format is diverging from TV as a miniseries. I think our one-hour miniseries as a as a as a medium, uh, the HBO one-hour is going is essentially a different thing than the half-hour television show. Um, as different as film and TV to me, I I believe we're seeing some fresh splits hmm. in what mediums are actually going to be with uh, the up in within the next ten years. I think <clears throat> what um, how we how we break apart different types of media will be in a new place. Um, and I do think Riverdale is playing at an intersection um, between those forms in a, in, a very, in a place that's unclear, that's not yet defined. Um, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I don't... Yeah, again, you talk a lot about genre play, and I feel like this show is like, genre? What genre? Bye! <laughs> That's the unintellectual version of what Ryan just said. How are you feeling about this? Um, I liked it more on second watch. Um, too, I, I actually really too. appreciate your context. Um, and I thought this was an episode I needed a second watch to to fully follow all the threads. Yeah. Um, this was a, a fairly dense episode. I did not love this episode, but I like what they attempted. I like what they tried to do. I like the work of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to move on to next week. We'll be here next week. We will. On that note, maybe we'll see you next week. That's an outro, gang. All right. Um, See you then for uh, an update on Canada's political scandal and judicial (laughs) system, I'm sure. And um, a little bit bit more Archie. Maybe we'll, they'll call an election by next week. Our government might might fall by next week. We might be in election mode by this time next week. Um, Dang. That would be a thing. <laughs> Dang. All anyway. Right. I'm actually, Chloe. Oh, no. We What's probably that? won't call an election because there's still a majority. So what most likely, there is a chance we'll see the government fall, which would mean Trudeau, the prime minister, stepping down. However, what we would likely see is an internal leadership contest within the Liberal Party, which would then appoint a new prime minister for the remainder of the Liberal majority term, which lasts until the fall, oh. because a majority government is un- very unlikely to know confidence itself, except in, say, Theresa May's Brexit situation. Here, yeah. the Liberals are primarily standing behind their government, but oh we God. might see the, the party leader step down. There what is- if Jody Wilson-Raybould finishes his term? I've been saying this, I've been wanting this and hoping this for months, but um, she doesn't speak French yet. So? You cannot be the leader of Canada without speaking French. Oh, yeah. It she, would, I, she didn't really. She doesn't speak French. I didn't no, know that. Oh, it, okay. It's, it and I'm dead serious. You you are you cannot. No, no, leave I believe Canada. I, I, sorry. That like, <laughs> I, I think I think what I was processing was the fact that I thought that Wilson Raybould spoke French. Mm, yes, fair. Um, I just sort of yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, who else would it? Oh, this is not a topic for the podcast. Okay, I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. And we'll see you next week. Bye, gang. Bye.